We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivy Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are live here on a Monday, which of course means it's a little Notre Dame mailbag starting the week off, right? Especially in a week where there's not going to be Notre Dame football. Of course, Notre Dame coming off of a big 56-23 to victory over Stanford, which was not as close as a 56-23 to margin would necessarily say on paper. But Notre Dame sitting at nine and three, awaiting obviously the bowl game. I know there's a couple different options that could potentially be on the table for the bowl game, which I'm sure someone will ask at some point in this podcast. But there's a Brian Driscoll, there's a Brian really Ryan. good front page article, Ryan, yes, written is. by yours truly, I, Brian Driscoll, I, explaining I read the bowl options. Morning. I yeah. did read that this morning. So great, great options to read. You should go there at IrishBreakdown.com. You can also go to boards at IrishBreakdown.com, guys. We are. Feels like off-season talk already. We're in the the constant conversation of offensive coordinator, and you know what, what's the philosophy change, and who's coming here, who's going there, who's declaring early, who's every every talk that you usually get from an off-season. We're starting it today, folks. And the great thing about this podcast, as you know, you get to control the conversation, right? You get to ask the questions. We feed off of you all because we love the IB Nation community, obviously, and everyone that's in the chat each and every day. It's great because, I mean, I, I've been in some chats before where it's just like, I've never seen that guy's name before. That's a yes. newbie. For the most part, we have like everyone just coming back. We know all these names in the chat yeah. for the most part. So if Love you're it. if you're first time with us, though, make sure when you throw a question in the chat that you want us to answer, make sure to put a mailbag or an MB in front of that question so that we can easily distinguish what is a mailbag question compared to you just having a conversation with someone in the chat. So, Brian. Ready to go, man. I'm always ready to go with mailbags. So, yeah, mailbags are I, look in season, out of season, man. They're always a lot of fun. Love, love mailbags. And so, I, I want to start off, Ryan, with there was a, a a silly rumor going around. And look, guys, I, there's always going to be a lot of really ridiculous, stupid rumors going around. And if you think that a guy from Arkansas is going to have scoop on Notre Dame's offensive coordinator being replaced before me, Tim Priester, Pete Sampson, you know, John Bryce, who's like second job is literally working at football scoop. You know what I mean? Like, come on, but we'll address it. Ryan Coleman Smith asks any facts to the UNLV OC news posted by the Tribune. Well, in fairness, the Tribune wasn't stating that the Tribune simply said this guy reporter is saying that so i just want to in fairness to the tribune i i I think it's ill-advised to post something like that but they at least wrote it this is what someone is saying you know so right yeah yeah. and i mean i'll I'll let you get into obviously the ridiculousness of this i would say this brian is that i saw someone put it on the message board this morning and i I didn't even want to respond to it, man. I literally at one point, I think just put like, I have a headache guys. Like, right. Look, 
Brandon Marion's a really good wide receiver coach, right? Or I would say a good wide receiver coach. Maybe really good's a little bit too much. No, I I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's yeah. I think it's fair to say he's really good. I mean, you know, good track record. But yes, yeah. I understand. Ryan, you're always reserved. You're always I'm always reserved, man. I, I mean, like he's a good position coach, offensive coordinator perspective. It's a limited sample size. We're talking about a guy though that was at Texas in 2022, and you know, I don't want to say pushed out, but like it, it was a kind of a, a a, a agreement to part ways of sorts, right? And then he goes out to UNLV under Barry Odom, who I respect tremendously as a defensive mind, Barry Odom. And yeah. he has a really good year this year. I mean, they have like a 35 point per game average this year. I think that Brendan Marion did a really good job as the OC at UNLV. But guys, if we're going to, and again, this isn't a shot at Irish Tribune, this is a shot at just this person making this report, right? Originally, if you're going to make up clickbait, at least make it someone that's a little bit more reasonable. Like, huh, that's actually kind of interesting. Maybe there's some smoke there. Maybe there's some heat there, whatever. I I read it and I'm just like, that's not, that's just not true. <laughs> also, I read a report separately. Clark Lee was fired by some doofus who reported it that had like 800 followers. I'm like, that's also not, not true. And, that's been debunked as well. Look, yes. now here's the thing. I'm not saying, now Marcus Freeman was asked about this today and his response was, I don't know who that is. Somebody said, you know, reports about you talking to, I think John Bryce asked it, um, you know, reports about, you know, you guys reaching out to Brendan Marion and his response was, I, I don't know who that is. And then he was reminded it's the UNLV OC. And he's like, Oh, Oh, sure. Um, he goes, no, he hasn't been contacted by me or basically like anybody in, in my office. Now, could somebody in an administration standpoint reached out for some ridiculous reason? Like if I found out that Ron Paulus made that call, would I be shocked at all? No, I have no evidence of that, but I could see him doing something stupid like that. However, you know, would you tell, if you were to tell me that, that they reached out to him with the the thought of possibly, should there be a change at the receiver's position? You know, would you be interested in coming in and, and being a receiver's coach, maybe throw a title of pass game coordinator in there? I'd be okay with that, Ryan, you know, yeah. cause you, you, you know, he kind of basically served the same role that, you know, that we all wish they would have, you know, hired Jamarcus Shepard to do a couple years ago. You know, you think about where Notre Dame would be right now if, you know, if Jam if Jamarcus Shepard was the receivers coach and, and him and Jared Parker were kind of, you know, co-coordinating the offense. Feel probably pretty good about that, right? And, and uh, you know, may maybe Brennan Marion can do that. But, guys, we're going to – just like there was a rumor about during the bye week – about how Jared Parker was going to be reassigned when in reality, my understanding is the op, you know, he was going to be reassigned or someone else is going to have more responsibilities where my understanding is the opposite is actually what happened, you know? So it's like, we, we, we could do this all day, but I'm telling you guys, just stop getting rumors from Twitter. Like it, like, it's called X now, man. It's called X. I'm, I refuse especially now that people get paid for engagement because now literally there's, there's incentive to put something crazy out there. That's going to get engagement from people. You can also buy a verification now. Like it doesn't matter anymore. I remember when I first got verified on Twitter, I'm like, that's pretty cool. That means I earned that, right? Like that's pretty neat. And then they took my verification tag because now all you can do is just buy Twitter, buy a verification tag on Twitter for $8 a month. And I'm just like, well, that doesn't matter anymore for anyone right. now. Does it? Right. But the point is, is you can get verified and, and and just claim you do something. And then you put out some crazy rumor that gets a million responses and reposts. And all of a sudden, boom, you're getting paid for that. Yeah. And, you know, look, I have no problem with it from a business standpoint of what Elon Musk is doing. It, you know, it is what it is. I understand it. He's got to make a company that wasn't profitable, profitable, whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Right. But it just, there's just more and more and more silliness. And, and just, uh, let's just say, guys, just, it's okay asking about it. It is just don't run with it as if it's true. That would be my only request is, you know, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. I've had people say, Hey, look, I heard this rumor. And if I haven't heard it, I will chase it down. I just won't dismiss it out of hand. I'll ask people. And I did that with the Brennan Marion stuff. Like I, I was very confident that that was, that was false based on a conversation that I had with a very good source yesterday about what's going to happen at the OC position. And so I kind of had a feeling it was BS, but I still reached out to, to folks at Notre Dame and, you know, they kind of got a chuckle at it and, and immediately denied it and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't want to take shots at Brendan Marion, but like if your issue is you don't like the job Jared Parker did this year because he lacks experience, I don't understand what bringing in Brendan Marion would fix in that regard.
He's been an offensive coordinator for one year at UNLV. And then, look, to put into context the job that they he did at UNLV, in UNLV just fired their coach the year before. Like, you know, they averaged 26 points a game. I mean, they had, a, they had about a nine-point jump this year in, in, in scoring this season. You know, they had a – and a, a per game average of, of for yards about a seventy point jump. They went from five point five yards per per play in twenty twenty two to six point two this year. That like none of the numbers are going to blow you away. Thirty five points and six point two yards per play is not going to blow you away. But the context of what he, they were before is an improvement. But I just want to remind you that Notre Dame's offense this year improved by even more points per game and had a much greater yards per play jump than what they had at UNLV in year one yeah. year two. Yeah. So, um, you know, let, 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 let's just see how let's see how this this thing plays out. Do do I think there could be staff changes? Yeah, I do. Uh, but if anybody leaves, it's 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 most likely because they're getting a promotion or, you know, as, as far as the coordinators, you know, Al Golden, something like that. But, you know, Marcus Freeman understands they got to get better. But as I've said a million times, getting better doesn't always mean just firing everybody that, that didn't do the, the, the job that they needed to do. Sometimes it is that. Sometimes it is that, right? Sometimes you need to make a personnel change. It it is. Yeah. But sometimes it's like sitting down and saying, "Hey, listen. You 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 can be better. You need to be better. Let's figure out how you got better." And and that everything that Marcus Freeman talked about today is that's the conversations they're having with Jared Parker. Like, look, we did a lot of good things this year, but he mentioned without being asked, "We got to figure out why we didn't play better against the best defenses that we faced." Flat out said it before even being asked. Now he was prompted about the question later and. Sure. You know, but he said it without asking. Like, and he, so, so my point is Marcus Freeman knows, Jared Parker knows they got to get better in those instances. And that's a good thing. We didn't hear the, like, I was so happy to hear what coach said today when, when, when talking about the offense, because we didn't hear the, we just got to coach a little better and play a little harder next year, just execute a little bit better. We didn't hear any of that. It's like, look, guys, we got to figure out what this, the reason for this was and right. fix it. And that's yep. what we're going to do. And that's a good thing. Yep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. We're in the midst of the holiday season, which can bring joy to our lives, but can also bring seasonal blues. This time of the year can be a lot. And it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot in a time of stress or a time of change. It gives you something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P.com slash Irish. Tyler Evans kicking off the Super Chats today. Thank you so much, Tyler. What do you think of the new hires at Texas A&M and Mississippi State? Well, obviously, Texas A&M hired Mike Elko. I think that's a grand slam home run hire. I, right. I, I love Mike Elko as a coach. I love Mike Elko as a human being. 
Uh, Texas A&M is a program that needs discipline, and Mike Elko, I think, I believe, can bring that. I mean, the, his side of the ball was was the strength of Texas A&M when he was there. I mean, his last year, Ryan, didn't they like jump into like the top fifteen nationally defensively in uh, his last year there at uh, at Texas A&M? I I think so, that was the year. No, they, they I'm sorry, had, they were number three. Yeah. They were number yeah. three in scoring defense his last year. Well, if you look at where Texas A&M was the year before he got there and look at where they were in scoring defense, um, they were 87th. They gave up 30 points a game in 17. He yeah. comes in at, and uh, they jump up to 47th. They drop knock off five points. Uh, 2019, they jumped up more to 36 at 22 points. Uh, the COVID year, obviously the defense was, was one of the driving forces behind their success. They ranked 28th and then in 21, they ranked third. So he did a really, really good job building up that defense and, and getting them rocking and rolling. So we saw what he did in their name. He's, he's a strong recruiter. He knows the, the, the strengths of Texas A&M and he knows the weaknesses at Texas A&M and, and things that need to be fixed. So and and Mike Elko is going to have a very unique NIL approach, I believe. My opinion, I think he under I think he doesn't love the idea of just going out there and buying a roster, but he also understands that NIL needs to be a part of what you do. So I think he, you're going to see him be a little bit proper in how you embrace NIL. Like, like guys, we're just not going to start throwing money out the kids, and the only reason they're coming is because they're getting money. If there's a kid we want and he likes us, and we've got to make him an offer, then we'll make him an offer. But if some kid wants to go somewhere else, we're not just going to go buy him because we're just not going to win that way though that kid's going to come here and if he's not the starter the guy he's going to leave and i think mike or mike elk also understands that a lot of those kids that only want the money are kids that are going to come here and if they have success jump into the portal for another payday that's just how it's going to work with those kids who are only looking for money there mike elko i think needs to find the kids like the jeremiah loves the braylon jameses the Jaden Greathouses. who yes i would like to get nil money but my decision is going to be based on I want to play for you. Now, what can you do for me? Like that's like that was the conversation Braylon James had, right? Like I'm going to Notre Dame. Now, guys, here's yeah. the things I'm passionate about. You know, are there ways that we can tap into that for money? Je- uh, Jeremiah Love did that with his comic book strip. Like they are finding ways to monetize him and the things he does, but it's a byproduct of him coming to Notre Dame. It's not the reason he came to Notre Dame. And sure. I think that's where Mike Elko is going to is going to spend a lot of his time. Uh, is like the good coaches understand, folks. We need to be using NIL to keep our current roster, not to buy a roster. That's not going to work. USC does that. How's that worked out for USC? A and M did that a couple years ago. Went out and bought a bunch of high school kids, and how that number one class turn out? Right, half of it's not there anymore. Right, and so I think it was a great hire. Ryan, yeah. I'll address Jeff Levy next, but I wanted to get your yeah. – I want to let you change, talk about Mike Elko first. I think it's pretty much a best-case scenario for Texas A&M. I mean, I was actually curious to see where they went after, like, the Mark Stoops stuff that came out a couple days ago, you know, and it, it, that whole situation was kind of funky. But they end up getting a guy that is a very good up-and-coming head coach, a guy that can definitely coach just point-blank, period, right? He's a really good coach. He's a developer. He can recruit. And he's been a part of the Texas A&M program, so he knows the in and outs. He knows from an athletic department perspective what's really good, what needs to improve, what you can do and what you can't do, and what he perceives to be the best perspective on growth at Texas A&M. So I think that he is going to do a really good job at Texas A&M. I think the the interesting thing that I'm going to be looking forward to is that Texas A&M is a lot more talented than what their on-field record was this year. There's a lot of talent in that room, a whole lot on that team. When you have a coaching change, is there going to be a big exodus on a roster, right, as far as players hitting the transfer portal and trying to find other avenues? Or is Mike Elko someone that comes in and is able to retain a decent amount of the talent because, one, some guys know him, and then, two, you know, are you excited about that hire? So I'm interested to see just kind of first year perspective, short term perspective, how much impact Mike Elko can have as far as keeping some of that talent in the building and getting them to buy in. But long term, I think it's a great hire. He's a different but similar to what I said about like Jeff Trailer and a couple of those guys that were up for the conversation is they're developers, right? Like they are guys, and I feel similarly to Jonathan Smith at Michigan State. Like I think that Mike Elko 
is going to build this for the long term at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, whenever he leaves down the line, whenever, I think that Texas A&M will be in a much better situation than where they were when he took it over, right? Like, I truly believe that. So I think he's going to develop it. I think he's going to recruit well. Long term, I think it's going to be a home run. I'm just curious to see what it looks like short term. Is he able to convince those guys that like, hey, come play with me, stick this out, buy right. in, and we'll be really successful? Because there's a lot of talent there, man, if they're able yeah. to get him to buy in. There is a lot of talent there. I And and if you're Texas A&M, I think a part smart part of this job. First of all, I, I'm curious, like, did they – I would love to hear the backstory. Like, did they reach out to Elko and he said no, and then they turned to Stoops? And then when they came back to him after the Stoop fiasco, he had all the leverage so he could get a huge deal? I I, I have no idea. Did they go to Stoops first? Like, because if they went to Stoops first over Mike Elko, I got to question that. I'm sorry, I just, I just do. And I like, and I'm someone who likes Mark Stoops as a coach. And I didn't hate that hire. I needed to think about it more. But Mike yeah. Elko seems like a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't you go there in the first place? However, the good thing about it is why it's smart to bring him in. However, it happened is a lot of kids on that team were recruited. Veterans were recruited by Mike Elko. And they're going to be able to tell the younger players while Mike Elko's getting settled, hey, guys, it's a good dude. You're going to like yeah. him. Just stick it out. Just You got 30 days before you got to get in the portal. Just stick it out. You know, See see what Coach is, is all about, and, and, and you're going to really like it because he's going to have a reputation in the building. And then uh, keeping the assist, the guy that took over as the interim coach, the, was yeah. he D-line coach? Was he the D-line yes. coach for them? Yes. Yep. That's yep. a smart move because he worked with Mike Elko. And he was the guy that a lot of the players were kind of politicking to keep as the head coach. So you're going to be able to keep him and not just keep him because you know you got to be a piece of players, but the players are going to know. We know Coach Elko likes him. Coach Elko brought him in, and Coach Elko worked with him. So we know they're not just appeasing him. He respects him, and he's going to give him a key role in the defense. Like I could see something like maybe you know, him and Tyler Santucci being like co-coordinators or something like that, You know, or he could be it. like the assistant head coach or something like that. Uh, those are all things that I would, I think we could see. Yeah. Yeah. Je- Jeff Levy at Mississippi state, Brian, just to start this conversation off. It's a wait and see for me. I, I don't know. I don't know if Jeff Levy, I mean, cause one, he's 39, right? So he's a little bit younger, but not like super young. I don't know him as a person. And from a structural perspective of like, what is his ideology for building a program? I have no idea. The one thing I do know is that the guy's been around some really good offensive minds and Oklahoma year one to Oklahoma year two was a much better improvement of offensive football. So I think Mississippi State will be a much better offense moving forward with Jeff Levy. And I think some of the principles that Mike Leach had instilled in that program are going to be similar to Levy because he's a he's a different style of air raid, but he's still an air raid coach at the end of the day. Right. So I think he's going to get the offense turned around in Mississippi State. Will he be able to be a, a a great head coach at Mississippi State? I have no idea. I don't know anything about him from a program-building perspective. This is a boomer bust hire, in my opinion. Either it's going to go really well, and you'll be like, oh, wow, Jeff Levy's actually a pretty good coach, or it's going to be like, that guy's an offense coordinator that's not ready to be a head coach yet. Like, he's just not ready. So I, I have no idea what to 100% make of it. I do think that he's a really good offensive minds for what that's worth, but can he build a program? No idea. And I know he's a good recruiter, too. So that'll help, but yeah. other than that, I have no idea how he's going to do building a program. Ryan, I, I, I look. I, you can't know until he's uh, he's never done it. The only thing I would say is I, I, I when I when I look at Jeff Lebby, number one, he's he has experience being in that area, in that region, right? Having you know coached at Ole Miss for a couple of years, and he you know coached at UCF for several years. So like he's recruited the Southeast. He's not like a guy coming from the West Coast in Oklahoma. He's coached at Baylor, and you know he's coached in the Southeast before. I think that helps. And uh, he's a guy that is familiar with the SEC, having coached in the league for a couple of years. That that helps, right? He's been at a big-time program. That helps. And I would say looking at his offenses the last couple of years at Oklahoma and looking especially at the growth from year one to year two, I think he's a guy that understands certain things that, that a coach needs to do. Now, will he apply those things? I don't know. But – it, in a place like Mississippi State, like if Notre Dame would have made that hire, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's one thing to promote a coordinator who you've worked with. You've seen him in action like Marcus Freeman. Right. But at a place like Mississippi State, I think this is the kind of risk you need to take, to be honest with you, is sure. a guy like him. You know, it's an innovative offensive mind. I understand why they went with Zach Arnett. 
you wanted to, some stability after the tragic passing of Coach Leach. He did a nice job at the miss, you know, and defensive coordinator, but it was it was clearly just he he wasn't uh, ready to be head coach at that point in time. I think Mississippi State's play this a place that has to build and win the way that they have, you know, where it's look, guys, go get an, an innovative offensive mind and a guy that can recruit. And Dan Mullen yeah. had a reputation as a good recruiter early in his career. He just stopped doing it once he became big time. He just stopped wanting to do it. So a lot of those peripheral things, Ryan, I think make a lot of sense. It's it's a it's a it's a I won't say boomer bust, but it's like how we talk about recruiting. It's a low floor, somewhat highest ceiling, you know, higher like yeah. you know three and a half star guy with four and a half star upside kind of thing, right? And and that's the kind of that's the kind of risk you have to take at Mississippi State, to be honest with you. Sure. Is get the young guy, let him work through some kinks. You've had a, you know, you had a rough year, and and take that chance. When, you know, take your shot. And so I, I, I'm, I like the hire Ryan based on that. Will he work right. or not? I don't know for the same reasons that you said you don't know. I just don't know right. enough about Coach Levy of how he's going to implement all the structural things as head coach and if he's going to succeed or not. I had a chance to evaluate that with Marcus Freeman because I covered his football team for a year. And sure. I got to learn about the things he did as a defensive coordinator that made me comfortable saying, I think Marcus Freeman needs to be the next head coach. I just didn't get those chances with Jeff Levy. But from what I can do as an outsider, I think this, the hire makes a lot of sense. Because if you were to go get like a, you know, Jamie Chadwell, I, I just kind of look at Jamie Chadwell as like, okay, he's going to use you to then get that next job if he wins. Like that's just, he just strikes me as that kind of guy. You know what I mean? And, um, I, I also, I'm I'm not in love with Jamie Chadwell as a coach, to be honest with you. He maybe he turned the job down. I don't know, but I, I I would much rather go with this than that direction for me. If if I was Mississippi State, I'm going to be interested to see who the defensive coordinator is that Jeff Lebby chooses. Because I I mean, offensive side of the football, feel good about it, right? Mississippi State though, quietly over the last like ten years or so, has gotten some really good defensive players to come there as well, though, right? Like they've gotten the Chris Joneses of the world, the Jeffrey Simmons, the Willie Gays. Like they've had some really good Montez defensive Sweat. players. Erol yeah. Thompson. Like they've had some good defensive was, players. Didn't Darius Slay come from Mississippi State? He did. Yep. Darius and then Slay, that corner that I know Duncan you liked Banks. a lot last year, right? What was the kid oh, yeah, that you Forbes. loved last year in the draft. Yeah. Emmanuel yeah I know Forbes. you liked him a lot. Yeah. They, they also had the corner. I forget the kid's name for uh, the kid got drafted in like the second or third round the year before. Martin Emerson was a good player mm-hmm. too. Got drafted in the third round. He's actually a pretty good player for Cleveland. Man, a, a really good safety a couple of years ago. They got hurt really early in the season and just I think that really killed his draft. I can't remember the kid's name, but he was a, considered a really top player and he got hurt like game two or something like that a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's surprising. It's surprising. Yeah. They they've had some really good like some elite defensive players. And that's why I say you got to have a guy that can recruit. And I think yeah. Jeff Levy can recruit. He'll do a good yep. job. So if you get a good and, defensive coach in there and you can recruit and you get your offense rolling, then yeah. Mississippi State could quietly be a good program and, in the SEC. And here's the key, right? He's coached in Texas. He's coached in Louisiana. He's coached in Mississippi. And he's coached in Florida. Those are, to me, the four most important states for the, for the coach at Mississippi State to be able to hit. Go find those three stars because, like, you're going to look for the same kids at old Mississippi State that you looked for when you were at Baylor and UCF. Those sure. you weren't you weren't at UCF out recruiting Florida State for kids. You were trying to find that three star diamond in the rough kid that was really really fast. But I needed to teach how to run routes. Right, that's that's what you would go out and find. And yeah. I think finding a guy that has experience recruiting that type of player also makes a lot of sense. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The regular season is over. But that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows. And you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, 
Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Right. Next question's from MT41. Mike Elko at AM scares me. His due teams have been disciplined and physical, and he's going to have access to a lot more talent at Texas AM. I mean, number one, you're at Notre Dame, right? You're a Notre Dame fan, and no one should scare you. But do I think that AM has a shot to get a lot better under Mike Elko? Absolutely. Do I think Elko has a chance to build AM into a team that actually lives up to its constant hype? I do. I do. And just for the SEC overall, this is a great hire for the SEC. It, it is. I mean, just the league to me got better today in the last couple of days with Jeff Lebby replacing Zach Arnett, but especially with Mike Elko replacing Jimbo Fisher. Because, like, let's not forget this is this is why Texas A&M. I just I thought they were going to go higher name. I and I wonder if they got turned down by some guys. But here's the thing: you went out and got Jimbo because he was a name because he had a national championship, you know, Jimbo Fisher, national champion at Florida State 2013, which, you know, I, I have my my opinions on that. But let, let's not forget Florida State was ready to be done with Jimbo Fisher when they got rid of him. I mean, they were ready to be done with Jimbo Fisher before he left, excuse me, before he left for Texas A&M. So you didn't hire a guy that was at his peak. To me, Mike Elko is, is a hot candidate. I mean, you look at his record and you say seven and five, and it's not overly impressive. But again, a guy won 16 games in two years. In the previous four years, they won 10 as a program. And when you look at kind of how they how they performed after losing Riley Leonard, you know, after he got injured, you know, you, you struggled against Florida State and Louisville with him being banged up, and then he goes out and, and you, you you go two and two down the stretch. Like he salvaged that a little bit. You know, that that could have been a much worse much worse situation and they had and he wasn't the only guy that had got injured i i think mike oak was a heck of a coach and i think the sec just got better today with from a coaching standpoint i think there's a much greater chance and that's good for notre dame like here's the other thing ryan i think it's good for notre dame that a guy like mike elko is a texas a&m because now there's much greater chances of them kind of beating each other up in regular right. season with those type of those type of hires mike elko is going to take a lot more players from alabama and LSU than he's going to take from Notre Dame. I mean, just just Notre Dame doesn't go against Texas A&M that much, right? Sure. And you were already losing those guys to Texas A&M anyway. And so I, I think it's a good hire for them. I think it's a good hire for Notre Dame. Now, I know Notre Dame plays Texas A&M the next couple of years. I get that. But if you're doing the job you should do, Mike you know, Marcus Freeman in year three should not be losing to, you know, Mike Elko in in year one, I, I you know, depending on on what happens this offseason but if you do then you beat him in year four i mean that's just when you get him at home so it shouldn't scare you notre dame you should embrace that if you're notre dame embrace playing the best and that's how that's the only way you can truly know like if you play texas a&m and they hire mark stoops or you know some other that promoted the the guy from within and you beat him next year like okay great you get a win but did you really learn anything about yourself as a program did you really get better did you really have a way to gauge yourself you beat Mike Elko with the players he's going to have at Texas A&M the next couple of years. Now, all of a sudden, I feel pretty good about where Notre Dame is as a program. Much better about where they are as a program. It's a good gauge. I'd much rather play them at their best than, oh, I hope so-and-so doesn't play. Why? Yeah. Why? I, the one thing I know about that hire is, because I think it's going to be successful as well, but the one thing I know is that there's been some moments over the last couple of years where I'm like, I don't know if the Texas A&M team really wanted to be on that field that day. I don't think that's ever going to be a case under Mike Elko. He's going to get buy-in. And even if that means some kids leaving because they don't buy in, so be it. But I think that he the won't team have that a problem with Saturdays, that at all. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He will not have a problem with that at all. Like, Hey, you don't want to, you don't want to do it the way I want to do it. 
fine. Go yeah. somewhere else and lose because we're going to win here. I He absolutely has that personality. And it, the funny thing is when you meet him, he's very disarming in that regard. Like he could say something to you that's like not very friendly, but the way he says it, it's just kind of like an all shucks kind of like he, he definitely does not present himself like I'm an Ivy league graduate. You sure. know what I mean? Like Bob Diaco did. He was in, he wasn't an Ivy league graduate. Mike Elko almost kind of like has more of a, I played at Iowa kind of mentality. You know, it's just kind of a cut, but he's not, he's a Jersey kid that played at Penn. You know what I mean? Like he's a really intellectual guy, but he doesn't. And what I mean by it, he doesn't, he doesn't throw that in your face, you know. I'm into like, I mean, he he almost kind of comes across as like, dude, you went to an Ivy League school, right? Just to how he kind of has that all shucks mentality. So even when he's being harsh, I think it's like it, he can do it in a way that that is almost kind of like, yeah, you take it, you take it, yeah, right? yeah you coach, you're right, coach. And I think that's why he was able to have success building those defenses at Texas A&M, despite playing for head coach that I think just had zero ability to instill discipline and, and all those other things in the program. He was able to, to kind of work through that and turn A&M into, an, into a really good defense, a really good defense during his tenure. We had a question from Tommy Guns. Got in here about 40 minutes early, and Tommy Guns had 97 questions. He in. pulled so his Tommy. best John A1 impressions. There's no <laughs> doubt. Yes, he did. Prediction for tomorrow night's top five teams. I was talking about the college football playoff rankings. I mean, I, th- I think number one will be Georgia. I think Michigan will be number two. Yeah. I think Washington's going to slide up to number three. I think Florida State's going to slide up to number four. And I think Oregon's going to slide up to number five. And then basically what they're doing is they're they're positioning that battle for the winner of the Pac-12 championship to get in. Yeah. Uh, now, could they move Texas up potentially? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I like. I would personally have Texas ahead of Oregon, but I just don't see how you can justify doing that now if you didn't do that a week ago. You know what I mean? Like, because Texas's Oregon's resume just got better this weekend. You know, they blew out their rival in a top 15 team. Texas blew out Texas Tech, who's 500 team. Like, you can't, if you weren't, if you didn't do that last week, you can't do that now. Which then right. leaves you in a situation where if Michigan beats Iowa and Georgia beats Alabama and you know whoever wins the Pac-12 title game and Florida State beats Louisville, Texas is going to be sitting on the outside looking in yeah. for the playoff. Which will, I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. Winner of the Pac-12 championship is going to make the playoff, in my opinion. And we'll t- yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. Actually, nah, I don't, I'm not even interested in seeing that. Yeah, I, I just I think the winner of the Pac-12 is going to make it. I personally think Oregon's going to beat Washington, but we shall see. Obviously, in a couple weeks. But here. if Oregon beats Washington, they deserve to be in. Hundred percent. I mean, look, they they beat a top five team, a team that's been a top five team all year, and got a a, re, a payback win over a team that beat them earlier in a competitive game at the other team's place. It wasn't like, like it wasn't like Georgia Auburn in 2020 or 17, Ryan where Auburn stomped Georgia in the regular season. And then Georgia stomped uh, Auburn in the SEC title game. If all Oregon does is win by three, all right, you've proven yourself to be a playoff team. I mean, because right. to me, the the thing that hurts Texas, I think Texas is a, is, has a better resume than Oregon. I, I do. Oregon, however, would have a strong finish to the year. In the last month, they would have beaten Utah, Oregon State, and Washington. And I think the Pac-12 is a, is one of the two to three best conferences in college football this year. And you base it based on the results, what the results were out of conference. And the winner of that, if they have a one loss, is, is going to be that team. I just kind of, you know, it's a no-brainer if Washington wins. But and, and what hurts Texas is the fact that even though I think Texas, if they went out, should be one of the top four teams, the thing that's going to hurt Texas is your league sucks. I mean, the Big 12 was bad this year in my opinion. It was really bad. I mean, the t- a team that's playing for the Big 12 title this weekend got their butts kicked by South Alabama. Think about that. Yeah. Like, that's hurting your conference. It, like, the fact that Oklahoma is not the team they're playing hurts Texas's chances of building their resume. It just does. It just does. So I think the only way you could justify jumping Texas in, Ryan, it's going to have to be like Ohio State 2014 all over again. They're going to have to absolutely murder Oklahoma State. I mean, they're going to have to destroy 
Oklahoma State in a way where you're like, holy crap, like that team is really good. Then you could maybe yeah. justify leaping Florida State out, dropping Florida State out because their resume is not as strong because of Louisville losing to Kentucky. And then you could yeah. justify it. Well, they don't have their quarterback. And as we saw the last two weeks, they're not the same team without that quarterback. I think you'd have a better justification of dropping them out than the Pac-12 champ out for Texas. Well, I, and, Miami. and I don't know that they'll do that. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we talked about the top three. I would envision Georgia. I would envision Georgia, Michigan, and the winner of the Pac to be one of the top three. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida State lost to Louisville in the ACC championship game where you're just like, well, that conversation doesn't really matter anymore, right? Because right. it's like now they drop out and Texas jumps up to four. I mean, I, I, I they just, looked it's really good. bad this weekend against Florida, Ryan, without Jordan they Travis. Did. Like, they did. They tried to give that game to Florida. Florida yeah, just I, like, no, nah, we don't want it. We don't want it. I, I, I don't think they have a – I think they're losing an identity without Jordan Travis, right? Because Jordan Travis just has – I mean, one, he's he's experienced. He's got the calm demeanor to him. He can move with his legs, not even just like on the ground, but he can also extend some things at times. And I think you're just missing that element and that leadership a little bit, right? I mean, the defense, I think, stepped up a little bit. I think that you, I think that Florida State's a good football team. It's just without Jordan Travis, I just think that team is very, very different. But we'll we'll see what happens. They look that they certainly looked that way on Saturday. They absolutely yep. look that way. They're going to have to bounce It's a backup yeah. quarterback on Florida's side, too. So it was it was weird. Man. I mean, Ryan, let me ask you this. Yeah. If Florida State barely beats Louisville, let's say they beat them like in an ugly 20-17 game, who, it doesn't matter who wins the Pac-12 game. I mean, I, I think yeah. we both agree that whoever wins that game is going to be in. They're going to be in. Yeah. Georgia beats Bama. Michigan beats, beats them. If Florida State beats Louisville in a really ugly game, and yeah. Texas just goes out there and destroys Oklahoma State, like 42 to 10. Would you make a case for having Texas in the playoff over Florida State? Because I think you have to be willing to look at the makeup of the current Florida State team. They're not the team that beat sure. LSU because they don't have Jordan. I mean, fair or unfair, if the product that we – because this is the point I made last week. Let's see what Florida State does first before we drop them in the rankings. Let's see what they do first. Well, I watched them on Saturday, and they looked – mediocre without him now if you go out there and you just curb stomp lsu then it's like hey you, it was a rivalry game you got your you know you take god his bearings underneath him and he's good to go now right but that's not how they looked i mean th- that's my justification ryan what would you what would you say to that I, I would still put florida state in just because they're undefeated right like i mean it's just i i understand your point and i think that it's a it's a talking point from the committee perspective but yeah. it's just hard to justify not putting an undefeated team in the playoff, you know, yeah. from a major power five conference. Like I, yeah. I don't know. I would just, I would struggle to leave them off. I would very much struggle yeah. to do that. And they would have three top 25 wins over Louisville, LSU and Clemson. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be, a, I, I do not envy the committee. If that's, if, if, if you're the committee, you're hoping for one of two things from Florida state lose and make it easy for us or dominate. And make it easy for us, because to your point, if Louisville, if they go out there and dominate Louisville, that's still a ten and two football team that yeah. you know beat NC State, beat Notre Dame, you know beat Clemson, you know that's still a really good football team. And if you blow them out, okay, Florida State proved it, it, they had a rough first game, but they proved that they're a really good football team. You've got to be praying like, please don't make it a twenty-one. Please don't make it an ugly twenty-one to seventeen game or twenty to fourteen right. game, like. Just make it easy for us one way or the other because resume-wise, Ryan, you are correct. I mean, they'd have a very good on-paper resume. Yep. But it's just like that team would have no chance at going to the playoff and competing. And that's that's the because of the because of the injured quarterback. That's the tough part about it. Yep. That'll be interesting. And we'll find out tomorrow night. We had a question for Bobby S. who says, What was the Holden Stace injury and was it serious? I'm not sure what it was. I believe it was a soft tissue thing or like uh, because he he went through warmups and tried to go. So and they just ruled him out. So it wasn't like he had tore a knee or, you know, had something major because he they tried to get him ready to go and just chose not to. So he did go through warm up. So I, I'll still look into what he did, but I don't think it was anything serious at this point in time. And then our next question was from Father David Penny, who says, what is your preferred bowl matchup for Notre Dame this year? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on that, Ryan, because there's there's two schools of thought on this one. 
number one is, and I was talking with a buddy of mine about this the other day. He was advocating for playing Kansas State. He wants to play Kansas State. And I was like, okay, state your case on why you want to play Kansas State. And it made sense. And I think you'll at least understand where he's coming from, Ryan, even though I don't agree with him, but I understood. He's like, I want to play a team that's got a really good defense because I want to see this offense get a, a, a game against a really good defense before we go into the offseason. I want to see if the offense is like really turned a corner, if they're just beating up on bad teams. And I was like, I understand that. And I think for like big picture of the program, like that makes a lot of sense. I, my counter was simply that I, I get that, but I still feel like the best thing for a, 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 a like I just want to play a team that can beat number one, but number two, I, if you can, you know, play a team that carries some weight. You know, LSU would would be that. Ole Miss, eh? You know, I don't know how much weight Ole Miss carries as far as like because it, it really what it comes down to is you know ten and three plus a na- win over name team is going to impact what more than anything else, Ryan recruiting. And that's really what it boils down to for me. I don't know that like beating Kansas State moves the needle from the standpoint of you went 10 and three as a team, right? And you got momentum as a team. No recruit's going to be like, oh man, I watched you guys play Kansas State. I'm coming to Notre Dame now because you beat Kansas State. It's going to be no different than if you go out and blow out Iowa State. That kid was already going to come and play for you anyway. Uh, You know, beating LSU can move the needle. Like, guys, we've played LSU three times in the last 10 years and we beat them every time. You know what I mean? And, you know, we, we we played against and shut down the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, that kind of thing. But then in the flip side is if, if LSU has opt-outs, it's still LSU, right? I mean, it's still LSU. It's still beating an SEC team. And if you're if you're able to do it, I mean you have you have you'd obviously have to go out and do it because sure. they're they're a they're a talented football team on offense. But I just kind of always felt like if you're asking my preferred matchup, it's I, you always want to beat a bigger brand. Yes, you do, and that's my yes. thing. You you want to play and beat a bigger brand, either either a bigger brand like an LSU or a team from a brand conference, which is you know that that's the benefit of playing South Carolina last year. Hey, beat an SEC team. That's the benefit of playing Ole Miss. It doesn't necessarily move the needle per se because you're supposed to beat Ole Miss. Yeah, but it still be a very good win. I just don't you know. Would it would have moved the needle from a recruiting standpoint more than beating Kansas State would? That's for sure. Um, but I did understand his point though, Ryan, about wanting to play a team with a good defense so you're tested. That's why I was kind of hoping Tennessee would maybe be an option because I think Tennessee has a defense where if you can go out there and move the ball and score points a lot of points on them, you say, you know what, that's a quality defense. It's not a great defense, but it's a quality defense. And you went out and 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 you know mop the floor with them because to me that would serve two purposes that would give you that better challenge against a good because his point was if you go out there and score 40 something points against LSU so what their defense is terrible you should do that I get that and that's why Tennessee I think was a good compromise potential team because that's a brand that's a big brand name that's a hot team on the recruiting trail a lot Uh, of the guys play probably there's not gonna be a lot of opt-outs in Tennessee yes And they've got a quality, again, not a lights out. Oh, my gosh. You know, you've answered all your concerns about Clemson and Ohio State and and Louisville because you beat Tennessee. It's not that kind of defense, but it's still a quality defense, you know, and you'd you'd be able to gauge yourself. How did they do against Alabama? How did they do against Georgia and Missouri? And then how did we do against them? And and you'd be able to evaluate that way. But I don't know that Tennessee's really an option anymore based on um, how the teams fell. But right. we'll, see. we'll I, see. I would I would be very okay with playing Ole Miss for the simple reason that they're a ten and two football team that I think will be at full strength. And for me, like I think that beating that team with everybody involved, Quinshawn J- Judkins and Jackson Dart playing, and their defensive lineman playing, and and Harris at wide receiver playing, like I, I just I I actually don't want to play LSU if that's the situation because I. Jane Daniels isn't going to play, man. Like, he's not going to play, in my opinion. I doubt it. Brian Thomas isn't going to play, most likely. Malik Neighbors probably isn't going to play. Like, Mason Smith. so many kids right. that are going to opt out. Like, I just, like, again, being LSU on paper from a name perspective matters, but then we're going to hear the million things of, like, well, you beat him without the maybe Heisman Trophy winner. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if that me from a, me watching a football game, like if that gets me super jazzed, right? Like, I don't know if that would get me jazzed. Cause it's like, okay, you beat Garrett Nussmeyer, who's okay, right. but like, he's not, 
that guy. You know what I mean? So I don't know. The, the only, it would be similar to the argument about last year in South Carolina, Ryan, is you'd say, yeah, but yeah. we didn't have Aldrich Estime and Joe Walt and, and, right. and Cam Hart. And, you know, I mean, there's going to be some opt outs for Notre Dame too. Although I would, I would anticipate LSU is going to have more, but yeah. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but it, it's, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting bowl matchup if they get an SEC team again. It is. I but def- at the I end def- of the day, I definitely would like an SEC team. I would definitely yeah. like an SEC team regardless, though. They need so a win. I, That's all due thing. respect to Kansas State. Like, I like Kansas State. I respect Kansas State. I really like their head coach, but it, does, it just doesn't do that much for me, man. Just no, doesn't it doesn't do that much move for me. Yeah, it doesn't me. move the needle uh, again. And 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 his argument about you know you're playing a good defense that that kind of is out the window now after what happened to them against Iowa State. So it's kind of like if you go out there against them and and you run for a bunch of yards, you're like, well, didn't Iowa State have a freshman running back that just ran for like a million yards? And Kansas State's given up seventy six yards. And Ryan, they've given up over two hundred rushing yards in three of their last four games. Yep. Kansas State, so they're not playing great defense down the stretch. They're not. And now the conversation he and I had was before the Iowa State game, and and I'd be willing to <laughs> I bet wonder if his opinion would, changed a little. I would bit. be. I mean, because <laughs> he's he's very good about that. He's very good about like I had this opinion, the facts on the ground yep. change, and and I'm allowing it to alter my opinion. You know, so but yeah, it'll it'll be um it'll be it'll be very interesting, very very interesting. Here's here's an interesting question, Ryan. I'm I'm gonna get your thoughts on. Uh, from Team T Guns, and that his question was: Should Jeff Levy try to bring back Will Rogers to Mississippi State? To your point earlier, Jeff Levy's yeah. an air raid coach, right? Yes. You know, the, but it's a different type of air, when you are argue it's a different, a little bit different type well, of air raid. Than I, what I was going to say, like Jeff Levy's track record though is that he does like the dual threat elements. I mean, you think right. about Dylan Gabriel at UCF. You think about Dylan Gabriel now at Oklahoma. You think about he also had Matt Corral when he was at Ole Miss, who ran for like over 600 yards and 11 touchdowns his last year. I don't think Matt. I don't think Will Rogers is necessarily Jeff Levy's type of quarterback. I'm not sure if that's the guy he actually wants under center. So I mean, I, I think that for me, it's like you do your due diligence. The kid's been at, at Mississippi State. He's run the air raid. Like maybe you have the conversation with them. But I don't know if if I was Jeff Levy, if I would like push hard, like dude, like we need you to come back. Like this is your team. Blah 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 blah. I think I would just look at other options potentially out there because I just don't know yeah. if he's necessarily his style of quarterback in the air raid. I think he wants a guy that can improvise a little bit, can, can do a little bit of quarterback run game stuff, can run some RPOs. Like that's just not Will Rogers. Will Rogers is a pure drop back air raid quarterback who is very statuesque. I'm just not sure that he's Jeff Levy's type. Let me ask you this, Ryan, didn't the kid from Vanderbilt transfer there this off season? Mike, Mike, Wright. Mike, Wright. Yeah. Yep, he's does there. he have he's a there. year left? I think he does. Don't, I'm pretty sure. Don't you think if you're looking for a one year bridge between the current team, let's say he doesn't like the young players at, at at all at, at Mississippi State, yep. and he's not. I mean, Jackson Arnold's not going to follow him to Mississippi State, you know. Yeah. Uh, so let's say he's happens. like, "Hey, I got to go find a young kid to groom, and maybe gets a high school kid." If you're looking for a bridge quarterback with what we think his offense is going to look like, because you know, do you view him as do you view him as more in line with what he would be? Because I'm not a big Mike Wright fan as a player, to be honest with you. But he is a guy with SEC experience who's a run throw quarterback. I mean, that's what he did sure. at Vanderbilt. He, you know, and that's that's what you do there. I, I would wonder if maybe that might be more of a bridge because then he's also kind of guy that if you if you do have a young guy that kind of develops, you could just say, okay, Mike, yeah, you know, it's thanks, but it's, you know. Mississippi State's also not going to be a quick fix for me, right? right? Like you have to rebuild that roster. So I just know what because like Mike Wright. An imperfect quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But his legs can't get him out of trouble at times, right? Like, you're like, okay, that can get you out of trouble. That's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Will Rogers behind maybe probably not a great offensive line with wide receivers that are still developing, probably young. I just don't know if that's a good bridge to the next year, right? Like, I think Will Rogers just kind of needs new scenery, and Jeff Levy needs to try to find a little bit more athleticism at position. I just... I just legitimately do not think that he is what Jeff Levy. Like, if yeah. I ask Jeff Levy, what do you want at the quarterback position? When he describes it, I do not think he would describe Will Rogers. I just do not think that's correct. His guy. Correct. And honestly, here's an interesting topic of conversation. I don't think Jared Parker would describe Sam Hartman. I mean, let's not forget, like, this is the thing you got to be careful of. If, you, if you're trying to make a transition in your offense, you want to make sure you have a quarterback that kind of fits what you want to do. Sure. And and the and buddy of mine said this to me yesterday. We were talking about trans, you know, 
portal quarterbacks. And I brought up a guy he, or he brought up a guy and, and he's like, yeah, I don't like this guy. And I said, okay, why? He goes, well, I don't think he's the kind of quarterback that Notre Dame is looking for. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, he's kind of a runner type. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Who's the only quarterback that we know was handpicked by Jared Parker and the staff? And he thinks about it for a second. He goes, it's Deuce Knight, right? Exactly. Exactly. What does that tell you, right, is – he wants a guy that can move. And C.J. Carr can as well, and Kenny Minchie can in different ways. They're not the runners that Deuce is, but they're good athletes that can can yeah. move in the pocket and things like that. And I think that's kind of the quarterback that that that, that, you're, that Jared Parker's looking for, and that's clearly the quarterback Jeff Levy has always had. Because I believe Jeff Levy was at Baylor back when they um, when they started to kind of get really good with um, with Robert Griffin III, if I remember correctly. Is is he was there during that period because he was um he was a Baylor from 2008 to 2016, so yeah he was there he was there during the Robert Griffin the third era, and what was that? I mean that was what was Baylor doing back then? I mean they were they were throwing it a bunch, but they were a team that went out there and you know run throw quarterback right. I mean yeah. Robert Griffin the third threw for over four thousand yards the year he won the Heisman Trophy. He also ran for 699 and 10 touchdowns, right? Like, I know it's a little goofy now as a play-by-play guy, but he was a heck of a quarterback in college. Heck of a quarterback in college. Um, Nick Florence was that way, Ryan. He threw for 4,000 yards and ran for over 500 yards. I mean, so, again, yeah, yeah, when you you look at Jeff Lebby, who was the pass game coordinator, he was the running backs coach and then the pass game coordinator for Baylor back in 15 and 16. He was there for a long period of time. Those are the kind of quarterbacks they had. I mean, they recruited Jarrett Stidham out of high school to run that offense. Could run a little and bit. and uh, Jarrett Stidham was a, a run throw guy coming out of high school. Seth Russell was one of his starting quarterbacks who who had over 500 yards rushing. So yeah, everything about his track record, not just at, at Oklahoma in UCF, tells me that that he wants a, a, a dual threat quarterback. And right, I think that's what they're going to be in the, the market for this off season when they look in the portal. And then I just think to your point, Ryan, Mike Wright fits that a little bit more. I think that was a great point though, about the O-line issues. If you're going to have a, yeah. some O-line issues, Mike Wright is definitely a guy you'd rather have there. Neither of them to me are SEC quarterbacks, right. SEC caliber quarterbacks, unless like I said, Will it's, Rogers it's is a good SEC end. quarterback. When Mike right. Leach is your coach, that, right. that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But um, yeah. I just, I just think what we saw of Will Rogers this year is more of what Will Rogers is compared to what we saw under Mike Leach, With, right? If we're talking exactly. about production perspective, exactly. like, I mean, all the due Mike respect, Leach impact versus talent. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, if you see what Mike Leach did historically with guys like Graham Harrell and B.J. Simmons and Gardner, I mean, Gardner Minshew's ended up being pretty solid pro, but like um, even Anthony Gordon that was at Washington State, it's like. These guys aren't great talents, man. They just he just understood offense. Like he knew where to find soft spots and zones, and he knew where to attack defenses. I mean, and he could teach Mike it. Leach was a mastermind. Yeah, he was, and, and he was a great teacher. He could teach his quarterbacks. Like he was as good as you're gonna find at teaching his quarterbacks to see the game the way he sees the game. That's why they were so good. Uh, he really was. I hey, just the game is not as good without him in it. Just just the personality, just the way he was. I just it's still get bummed out when I talk about him and when uh his passing so i'll keep moving on mt41 with staff choosing to not really get kenny minchie game reps i'm starting to worry that the quarterback battle won't be much of a battle and they'll just hand the job to steve angeli should i be worried about this i mean look mt i i have the same questions you do about i thought they should have played kenny minchie against stanford I, i i agree with you there all I can tell you is my conversations with my sources, that is not going to happen. Now, could Steve Angeli be the starter? Sure. If Steve Angeli goes out and wins the job, he'll be the starting quarterback. But I do not think that there is any intention at all from anyone at Notre Dame to just hand Steve Angeli the job. Number one, that's not good for Steve Angeli. Steve Angeli's being handed the job does not make him go through the battle of winning the job, which is going to make him more battle-tested to be the starter if he is your best quarterback. You're doing him no favors by just handing him the job. I think what that was about is is they're saying he won the backup quarterback job right now. 
and he deserves to do the things the backup quarterback deserves to do. I think that's what this is about. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it. We talked about it in the show on Saturday. I think they should have done more to get Kenny Mitchie in the game. I mean, Steve Angeli has proven who who he is as the backup quarterback. He's gotten plenty of opportunities. Let me see what's, what Kenny has to, to prove. But I also understand if I was in Steve Angeli's shoes, how I would feel if like I won the I I I've earned the backup quarterback job and you're putting this other guy in the game. I mean, sure, I I get that, but I just there is not a person that I've talked to in any way, shape, form, form or fashion that that is it, it has any intention of just handing Steve Angeli a job. If Steve Angeli yeah. is the starting quarterback at Notre Dame in 2024, it's because Steve Angeli went out there every single day and outworked outperformed and outplays Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr, and whoever the portal quarterback is going to be. I, I, I am a hundred percent certain of saying that. I don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be, Brian. No idea, but I can assure you of that. If it's Steve Angeli and, and I'm saying this cause I'm not a Steve Angeli guy. Everybody knows that, but I'm telling you, if that kid's the starting quarterback next year, that means he earned it. That flat out means he earned it, in my opinions. But but I yeah. I do understand your concerns, MT. Well, and if if the staff does do that and they just hand Min, um, Angeli the job without having going through a legitimate quarterback battle, MT in your in your scenario, then there's a lot of issues there, right? And from a coaching perspective, there's a lot of issues there. You need to see competition this off season, right? I mean, because I mean, Brian, last year like there was a legitimate battle between Sam Hartman. Who had 110 career touchdown passes and Tyler Buckner, who had what six in his career or something like that? Like, I forget what number, what the touchdown passes he had in his career at Notre Dame were, but they had a legitimate battle. And I, I, I think it would be really backwards if you just said, like, Steve Angeli's your guy, right? Automatically without a competition ensuing. There has to be a battle that comes from that because. I don't think because I honestly think that's a little bit of BK PTSD building in a little bit. Like what what has Marcus Freeman showed us that like they're just going to be settled with the quarterback position, right? And they're not going to bring in guys to battle for it, right? Like what has he right. shown that like an indicator of like that they're just going to settle for what they have on the roster because they could have settled this year if they wanted to, but they went and they got a kid in the portal. I mean, I I just I don't have any issue. I don't have any. Like, there's nothing in the back of my mind that's like, man, I'm really worried about that right now. Like, I haven't even thought about that because Marcus Freeman hasn't shown me to be that guy, you know? Like, he just hasn't shown me that. I think you. I think that is a phenomenal point, Ryan. Yeah. If Notre Dame was going to hand a guy a job, it would have been Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner, or the two of them, you know? I mean, that's, that's who they would have – I mean, Tyler Buckner's far more accomplished than Steve Angeli is because he's actually done it in starting minutes. I mean – what he did in the bowl game against South Carolina is far more impressive than anything Steve Angeli did against team second and third string off defensive players. And that's not a knock on him. That's true of any backup quarterback who never got a spot starter. Like with Ian book, we kind of saw after 2017, we saw Ian book make a spot start. We saw some of his limitations, some things he could do, but then we also saw him come off the bench against LSU in real live minute situations where he had to go win you a ball game. And he did it. Steve was never tested like that. And right. and so Tyler was, Drew Pine was. So if they were going to hand a guy a job, they would have handed Tyler Buckner the job last year. Right. That's what they would have done. I think that's a great point, Ryan. So why would we think they're going to just hand Steve Angeli the job? Again, I can understand why MT looks at it because they didn't get Kent Kenny Minty reps. But yeah. I also know this too, Ryan, from the staff standpoint, is they put a lot of value in what you do in practice, much more so than going in there and back – like. Fans make a lot more of what a guy did in the fourth quarter against the other team's backups than coaches do. It's sure. a good chance for you to see your kid playing, and that's there's benefits to that, and you always like to see a guy on the field. But coaches aren't like – Notre Dame's coaches aren't like, well, Drake Bowen's starting Mike Linebacker next year because of what he did in the fourth quarter against Stanford, right? No, Drew's going to have to go out there and earn it on the practice field every single day. And I can assure you that if, if, they, if they view Drake for – I'm just using him as an example – if they view Drake as a as the as that's the heir apparent of Mike, it's not because of what he did in the fourth quarter of a couple games. It's what he did Monday to Friday the last two months of the season, and right. uh, on defense and special teams. That's why. Now it's nice to kind of get that confirmation of what the kid can do, but it's just such a different different pressure situation, and that's why I still say you had your missed opportunity against Central Michigan with a guy like him. Right. in that situation to start him and play him as in more of a starting role. 
but it is what it is. It's, they did what they did. Uh, so yeah, I just, I'm not concerned about that at all. I, I'm really sure. not concerned with that at all. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.